I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, my friends. It's Misty. This is Lattes and Legends. Hi, happy Sunday. I think I'm finally getting back into maybe a routine for recording podcasts. Maybe. We'll see. Hope everyone is doing great in the midst of what's happening in our world right now. There's a lot going on. Um, if you want to talk about it, we can talk about it. I don't want to dwell on it because my podcast is not political at all. So that's what I'll say about that. If you want me to expand, I would love to expand with you one-on-one. Um, all right. So just want to tell everyone that I hope they're doing well. I hope everyone is safe and healthy. So I also wanted to say thanks for all the new likes on Facebook and Instagram. If you would like to check out the Facebook site, it is it is Lattes and Legends podcast. Instagram is Lattes and Legends. I still have a Twitter. I don't use it much, but you can check it out. It's Lattes and Legends as well. The website that you can check out, which I'm still working on, is lattesandlegendspodcast.com. There are some coffee mugs on there for merchandise. There are stickers, all kinds of great things. If you want to see other things, please feel free to let me know. Having a delicious dark espresso roast coffee right now. It's really getting the day going. Um, Also, I do have a Patreon account. It's patreon.com slash lattes and legends. If you would like to be a patron or sponsor or anything of the sort, sponsorships means I can do more things with this podcast, and that would be amazing. So 
This week has been a little crazy for everybody in the world. And it's, so tomorrow I start back to work. This is my now part-time job. And I'm having some feelings about it because I've been home at my office for mm, four months. So it's a little weird, kind of overwhelming feeling, but I think it will be great once I get back into a routine. And maybe I'll actually record my podcast every Sunday again in that routine. Yeah. So part of what I'm talking about today, I'm just starting a full-on new side series in this season. And I really want to talk about music. And in my head, I was like, how can I turn my podcast into something that is concerned with music? Because my next life, I would like to be a music historian, but I don't think I've traveled the right educational path for that. I don't think someone that's just obsessed with music could be a music historian. So I'm going to leave that to the experts. But in the meantime, last night I was listening to a radio show about punk rock, and it was based on the book by Legs McNeil called Please Kill Me, The Uncensored Oral History of Punk. I was so enthralled by it. It talked about David Bowie, Iggy Pop, the Ramones, UK punk versus US punk, who really started it. All of these amazing things that I just loved learning about, you know, the Sid and Nancy episode, everything that's in my wheelhouse. And in my head, I'm like, how can I turn this into a series on my podcast? So I went down the freaking rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. You would be shocked to see how many urban legends about music there are. So this series of Lattes and Legends will be all about urban legends and music. And the first one I'm going to cover today is Debbie Harry and being abducted by Ted Bundy. So, of course, we need to talk about the sources I used first. Uh, Let's see, bbc.co.uk, dazeddigital.com, nme.com, newsweek.com, crimeonline.com, faroutmagazine.co.uk. Guys, if you don't know what Far Out Magazine is, go check it out. It changed my life. Boingboing.net, thetelegraph.co.uk, everyone's favorite Wikipedia. Oh, and biography.com was a final put in. Right. So let's talk for a second about Ted Bundy. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Ted Bundy, I'll give you a brief rundown of this American serial killer and rapist. He is one of the most notorious criminals of the late 20th century and is known to have killed at least 36 women in the 70s. He was executed in 1989 in the electric chair. 
So he was a serial rapist, murderer, and a necrophiliac. Hmm. He was executed in Florida. And he, for some bizarre reason, has become incredibly popular in pop culture, books, movies, shows, mm, mm, Zac Efron, all of these things. So let's dive into a little bit more about him, and then we'll talk about Debbie Harry. So his mother, Louise, was 22 years old and unmarried when she had Ted. His father may have been Lloyd Marshall, who was an Air Force veteran and a Penn State grad, and this was this came out in Anne Rule's book, The Stranger Beside Me. So Anne Rule, if you don't know anything about her, she was a co-worker of Ted and thought he was a kind, handsome, smart man. And then everything came out. So there are other sources that say that Ted's father was a man named Jack Worthington. But there were also rumors that said his father was also his grandfather and that his mother had been um, sexually assaulted by her father. So, um, yeah, not really sure. So even on this birth certificate, it says unknown as his biological father. And to this day, it still hasn't been confirmed. Um, okay, in 1951, Louise married Johnny Bundy. And Ted took his name, although he did not like his stepfather. Uh, Ted thought that he wasn't smart enough to be with his mother, and he was in the working class, and Ted looked up down upon that. It seemed that Ted was a bit, hmm, what's the word I'm looking for? Elitist, maybe, with the men who were right for his mother. Um, and I guess he was just trying to protect her. Whatever. Johnny and Louise also had several kids together. So, Louise worked as a secretary. Uh-oh, I scrolled down too far. Sorry. And um, she was still married to Johnny in the 70s when Ted was accused of committing his crimes. She absolutely refused to believe any of these charges were true. And then once he confessed, that's when she was like, mm, I guess I should have believed otherwise. You know, maybe she was a protective mother just like he was a protective son. Mm. Yeah, you never want to think that your kid is a serial killer. Not cool. All right, so. <laughs> let us see. Um, all right. So Ted was really shy as a child and uh, he became super fascinated with knives, uh, probably around the age of three. He did really well in school. He didn't have a lot of friends though. And when he became a teenager, the super dark side of his character came out and he basically became a peeping Tom. He liked to look in other people's windows. And while he was doing so, he was thinking about all the things he wanted to steal from them. Mm. 
Um, Ted went to the University of Washington with a degree in psychology, graduated in 1972, and then he got into law school in Utah. However, he would never graduate from law school. He fell in love with a beautiful girl from California when he was at University of Washington, and she had everything in life that he wanted. That's right, money, class, influence. He was devastated when they broke up. And even, even the victims that he later killed and raped have this crazy trait in common with her. And we'll talk about that towards the end of this podcast when we talk about if he had a type. Just keep in mind that she had long dark hair. So in the mid-70s, he completely transformed himself. He was confident. He was active. He was social. And he was really, really into politics. He got a letter of recommendation from the Republican governor of Washington after he worked on his campaign. Hmm. So it would seem as if he was moving up in the world. However, oh, the killings started. So there was usually a super gruesome pattern in his killings. He often would rape the victims before beating them to death. Well, there is some debate as to when Bundy started the killings. Most sources say that it began around 1974. Around this time, many women in the Seattle area and in nearby Oregon went missing. There were stories that circulated about some of the victims last being seen in the company of a young, dark-haired man known as Ted. He often would lure his victims into his car by pretending to be injured or asking for their help. Their kindness was their mistake. So how did he get caught? Hmm. So in the fall of 1974, he moved to Utah to go to law school. Women suddenly began to disappear there as well. The next year, he was pulled over by police. A search of his vehicle uncovered things like a crowbar, a face mask, rope, and handcuffs. He was arrested for possession of these tools, and then the police began to link him to more serious crimes. In 1975, he was arrested for kidnapping, and he was convicted and received a 1 to 15 year jail sentence for that conviction. He actually escaped from prison twice in 1977. The first time he was indicted on murder charges for the death of a young Colorado woman, and he decided to act as his own lawyer. During a trip to the courthouse library, he jumped out the window, and that's how he made his first escape. He was captured eight days later. In December, he escaped from custody again that year. He climbed out of a hole he made in the ceiling of his prison cell, having lost more than 30 pounds so he could fit in the opening. They did not discover that he was missing for 15 hours, so he had a super head start on the police. Yikes. So, 
when he escaped from prison that time, he decided he would go to Florida. So in 1978, on January 14th, he broke into the um, Chi Omega sorority house at Florida State. He attacked four young female residents and then two of them he murdered. On February 9th, he kidnapped and murdered a 12-year-old named Kimberly Leach. Um, let's see. Ba, 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 ba. All right. So the most damning evidence connecting Buddy Bundy to the sorority house murders were the bite marks on one of the bodies. And they were definitely a match to his teeth. Hmm. In 1979, he was convicted for two murders at FSU. He was given the death penalty twice. He received another death sentence in 1980 for the murder of Kimberly Leach. He did appeal, but he was turned down. He also offered information on some unsolved murders to avoid the electric chair, but he could not delay justice and was executed in 1989. So, Let's flash back a little bit to 1969 to um, a relationship that Ted Bundy was in with a woman named Elizabeth. He met her at a bar. She was a single mom and she had struggles with alcoholism for sure. She said that Bundy would take care of her and he was so warm and so loving and that's why she fought for him. In 1974, she began to think that Bundy was up to no good. She would question him about these weird behaviors, like keeping a meat cleaver in his desk. But she said he was so charming that she just sort of forgot about it after they talked about it. Um, she secretly went to the police, though, when she thought he was involved in some local murders. But they were like, no, there's no way he's the killer. The pair remained together for quite some time. And then they got a little distant, and that's when Bundy moved to Olympia. So in 1975, Elizabeth went to the police again, this time with evidence that helped them to arrest him. Bundy had confessed to her over the phone from, from his prison cell that he had tried to kill her and he couldn't resist his impulses, but then he felt a sickness building in him. She broke ties with him completely and then wrote a book about her experience. Oh, yikes. So, in 1980, Bundy married a woman named Carol Ann Boone. She was a mother of two, um, and he had dated her before he got arrested, uh, and he proposed, actually, in court. And then they got married in Florida. They had met six years earlier, though, at the Department of Emergency Services in Olympia. She had a daughter named Rose in 1982, and she named Ted as the father. And not a lot is known about Rose today. I can only imagine why she would want to stay of the limelight. Ooh, yikes. Um, so Carolyn Boone eventually realized that he was guilty of the crimes. She divorced him three years prior to his execution. She stopped visiting him during the last two years that he was in prison. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about his 
death, he was executed in 1989 at around 7 a.m. Yep, old Sparky. So outside the prison, crowds cheered and even set off fireworks after he died. His body was cremated and no public ceremony was held. Before he was executed, he did request his ashes to be scattered in the Cascade Mountains of Washington State, where he murdered at least four of his victims. Mm. So next time you're in Cascade Mountains, you're walking on Ted Bundy. Mm. All right, so in popular culture, like I said, he's been, lots of books have been written about him. Movies have been written about him, made about him. Uh, the Deliberate Stranger is about him. Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile is where Zach Efron, like, crazy performance of Zach Efron. I never thought he had it in him, but it was amazing. It's a really good movie. Conversations with a Killer, the Ted Bundy tapes, was also released last year. And in books, The Stranger Beside Me is Anne Rule's book um, that she wrote when they worked, you know, after they worked together. And then she gradually realized that he was a serial killer. Yeah. The Phantom Prince, My Life with Ted Bundy, was written by Elizabeth, his ex-girlfriend. Ted Bundy, Conversations with a Killer is another book. Defending the Devil, My Story is Ted Bundy's Last Lawyer. Ooh. I Survived Ted Bundy, The Attack, Escape, and PTSD That Changed My Life. And this one is about is by Rhonda Stapley. And she was attacked by him in Utah in 1974 and she survived. Holy cow. So that's a breakdown on Ted Bundy. Now let's talk about Debbie Harry. All right. Debbie Harry is uh, an American music musician. Sorry. She formed the band Blondie. So if you are not familiar with Blondie, please check out Blondie. They're, they're an amazing band. Anyway, so she was born Angela Trimble in 1945 in Miami, Florida. And she was adopted by Richard and Catherine Harry when she was three months old. So growing up in New Jersey, she sang in a church choir. She tried college for a couple of years, but that was like, bucket. I'm moving to New York City. So she moved to New York in the 1960s and she sang with a band called Wind in the Willows and she also worked as a Playboy bunny. She ended up waiting tables at Max's Kansas City which was a popular club at the time. All right so Blondie. So she later joined a band called the Stilettos, which was a female band. And then she met guitarist Chris Stein, who became a member of the group. They did get romantically involved. And they started a band called Blondie. <clears throat> so they were considered a new wave act. Some considered them punk. But they did perform some shows at CBGB's. Again, if you don't know what CBGB's is, look it up. It's really famous. So um, their self-titled album came out in 1976. 
They toured for their second album called Plastic Letters. And over the years, they became super popular in America, but really popular in the UK. So, their third album called Parallel Lines was really what made Blondie the shit. There was a disco glam single called Heart of Glass that reached the top of the charts in 1978. It was a super campy song that you might know. It's called One Way or Another. It's one of my favorite Blondie songs. I know it's campy. It's probably why I love it so much. That became a top 25 hit as well. Let's see. So basically, Blondie was becoming huge. Debbie Harry became a pop icon and even acts like Madonna say that they were inspired by, by Debbie Harry. So there were also, let's see, let's see, let's see. Eat to the Beat was their next album and it was released in 1979. It included songs like Dreaming, Atomic, Auto-American, Rapture, The Tide is High. If you've seen Trainspotting, Atomic on that soundtrack, just it's perfect for that song. Oh my gosh. Anyway, and also Call Me was on that album as well. That was a number one hit that ended up on the movie American Gigolo in 1980. Okay. So Blondie broke up in 1982, around the same time that Chris Stein was ill with a rare skin disease. Harry took over. Sorry, <laughs> Deborah Harry took um, time out from her career to look after him. He recovered, but their relationship did not make it. They are still friends. And she later would reveal that she also was romantically involved with women. Mm -mm -mm. Ooh, so taboo. <laughs> All right, so she started a solo career. Uh, I don't know. Her solo career did not really go as well as her time with Blondie. And it could have been, you know, the change of times, change of music, all those things. I think when she released Atomic and The Tide is High, like, that was a time when music was ready for something new and different, and Blondie was new and different. So I think that's why they became so popular at the time. But that's just that's just my thoughts. I don't know. I was only born in 1977, so I wasn't there for it. So um, so let's talk about her memoir. So the memoir is where some shit came out. In, in August of 2019, she decided to publish a memoir, and it's called Face It. And uh, there's a lot in this book, and I really want to sit down and read it to the fullest. There's a passage about how she was raped at knife point in her apartment in the mid-1970s. There's also some shit about, you guessed it, Ted Bundy. So, what's up with Ted Bundy and Deborah Harry? So, in her memoir, she talks about how she got free from Ted Bundy. So, in it, she says, I was trying to get across town to an after-hours club. 
a little white car pulls up and the guy offers me a ride. So I just continued to try and flag down a cab, but he was very persistent, asked me where I was going, and it was only a couple blocks away, and he said, well, I'll give you a ride. So this happened in Manhattan in the mid-70s. This was pre-Blondie. And she said it was around 2 a.m., and she was going to go to a New York Dolls party. She said she would have walked, but her shoes were not made for walking. She says in the book that she never claimed to be one that hitchhiked, especially not during those hippie years, but she was super desperate, and he didn't seem very weird. Hmm. So, it was only a couple blocks away, and then when she got into her into his car, she just she realized the mistake that she had made. The VW Beetle was stripped down on the inside. The doors had no handles. There was only a thin crack in the window, and the driver smelled horrible. Yeah, not exactly the best position to be in, Miss Harry. So she had to do something, and she had to do something fast. So she began to roll down her window inch by inch, and it was agonizing, as she says. So she moved her arm out of the window and began to try to open the door from the outside. As so she says, as soon as he saw that, he tried to turn the corner really fast, and I spun out of the car and landed in the middle of the street. I got very nervous. And I got very nervous, sorry. <laughs> the driver, Debbie concluded about 15 years later, was indeed serial killer Ted Bundy, who was executed in 1989. So, she says, it was right after his execution that I read about him. I hadn't thought about that incident in years. The whole description of how he operated and what he looked like and the kind of car he drove and the time frame he was doing that um, in the area of the country fit exactly. I said to myself, my God, it was him. She said it was very scary, and she really hasn't thought, thought about that in about 15 years, and she said she was very lucky. Here's the thing. A lot of scrutiny has been given about her story because people are like, oh, no, it just doesn't make sense. Um, so here are a few things that challenge her story. Many say that he did not spend that much time in New York in the 70s. Some say that he did not, or that Debbie did not fit his type. So just as I was talking about before, um, it seemed to be reported that Bundy had a type, and he liked women with dark, long hair, usually parted in the middle, kind of like, mm-hmm his ex-girlfriend that broke his heart. So, uh, what do you think? Do you think that Debbie Harry was abducted by Ted Bundy? Do you think she made it out alive? Like, what do you think happened? That's what I wanna know. It's a great, great urban legend. And I will leave you guys to thinking about it. 
yeah, it's pretty, pretty gnarly though. Kind of scary. Um, there's, I looked through a lot of articles about this and magazines and books and one of them, it's one of the sources. I'm just not really sure where it came from. Said that Debbie liked to talk, tell tall tales and that this was just a tall tale. Um, but again, we can't discredit someone until we know for sure. But yikes. If this did really happen, it gives me some a lot more respect for her. I mean, I love her anyway, but man. She got out of tech on distress. It's pretty badass, if you ask me. Anyway, oh, let's talk about a happy thing that happened this week. A happy thing that happened this week is we got some rain yesterday. And if you know anything about where I live, you know that we always need rain because fires are imminent in the summertime and we don't need them because they're scary. Um, and also, like I said, I go back to work tomorrow and I'm excited, nervous, anxious, hopeful. I really just need to get back into a routine for myself. And you know what? I get to see cute little kiddos in their little masks tomorrow. So I'm pretty stoked. Anyway, I hope you guys have a wonderful week. I will be back next Sunday for part two of the Urban Legends and Music series. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed researching it. And yeah, have a great week, guys. And don't get into strange cars. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.